0: Dude, my, my YouTube partner manager is, I think, quietly fed up with this. Like most people on YouTube thinks about it in the strategy way of yeah. like, how can you repeat this? This should be a series. I kind of don't want to be the that thing guy. Yeah. I want to surprise people not every time but as close to every time as I can get I the, the thing that I'm addicted to people coming out of a video being like I didn't care about that before and now I I'm very psyched about it
1: Nick I cried after your Blastoise video let's
0: go I, like, I
1: literally cried <laughs> I
0: do think it is probably healthy to have things that you don't do for work that you enjoy yeah For me, so much of what I do for my job is Mm -hmm. me taking the things I love and forcing myself to do that as a job. I actually have like a kind of secret YouTube channel, funny or interesting interactions that happen while I'm playing Magic.
1: Wait, that sounds so cleansing. Oh my gosh. It's so
0: nice. Getting to upload three videos in a day that are going to get two comments each is actually kind of like therapeutic.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Glad I Asked where I have the pleasure of exploring the minds of other curious creatives, and we talk about many things, including how they're creating a life they're excited to be living. I'm Cindy Goodman, and our guest today is YouTube sensation Nick Robinson. Nick isn't the first tremendously successful YouTuber we've had on Glad I Asked, with over 1.2 million subs and videos with 28 million, 14 million, 10 million views, you get the point, but he is the first we've had on who has grown a channel that large while posting every couple months or so. What's always inspired me about Nick is that he started creating video essays before they were the norm on YouTube. His videos never go the way that you think they will. And one of his videos is one of two vids that I've cried at the end of. Our conversation is split into two episodes with the second episode coming out next week. We talk a lot about the creative process and how he managed to create a niche for himself while also not allowing himself to fall into a niche. We talk about finding ideas you're excited about, procrastination, creative invention, work-life balance, and how to make sure people actually see your videos. Enjoy this conversation with Nick Robinson. Nick, hi. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you. How I don't like, this is so funny because <laughs> I don't usually talk to you in such a like
0: A serious, serious manner. Way. Like uh Yeah. I mean, we don't have to be serious. In front of microphones. And, like
1: <laughs> Not usually in front of microphones.
0: True, true. It's usually like a... Uh, Like we're running into each other at some like event or something like that. Like it's it's very rare that we're mic'd up. I think the last time we did anything together in front of a camera was when we went to that like Halo tournament at the at the at the Century City City Westfield Microsoft store (laughs) where we were like, oh, we both love Halo. We should like they're doing a tournament. This will be so fun and like instantly got eliminated.
1: To be fair, I think that, so it was an open tournament mm-hmm. and anybody could join. Yeah. And there were plenty of teams that were not very good. And we got put up against the team that came in jerseys.
0: It's true. Which, that is true. In
1: my head, they had like a like a support system there as well. Like it wasn't just the players. They came right. with like girlfriends and like family <laughs> I, members. I wonder
0: if maybe we as a coping mechanism have built up the the lore around this other team a little bit. But I do, I have this recurring experience where every 15 years I go to a Halo tournament being like, I like Halo, and then just get completely annihilated. I remember in college, like a local game store did like a Halo 3, Mm -hmm. like tournament. There was like a 2v2 thing. and I was like, this is going to be so fun. And then I went there and it was my first exposure to like sort of competitive BR start no, uh, radar. Halo. They had rebuilt every map in Halo Three in Forge to make it more like fair and competitive and like Smash Brothers Final Destination-y. And Wait, the
1: GameStop did this?
0: This was not. This was not even a GameStop. It was just like a local card and video game store, wow. and they just had their own like. I just didn't know the competitive Halo rule set, and it's a very different. It's world. very different. I was I was ready to like pick up an SMG and then like have a plasma pistol in my <laughs> left hand or whatever. That was not the vibe whatsoever. It was like. We're using battle rifles and killing each other from across the map and you won't see it coming kind of. Yeah.
1: That sounds like playing with Kyle or um, there was one time when I worked at BuzzFeed and every actually it might have been when I was at Red Bull and they were like, oh, yeah, we're playing smash. Like, do you have a sec? Like, you can go play with us. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love smash. Sick. Right. And then I like got my Kirby and I was like waiting for the items to drop. And no they were, like, items. And I just like see them go through the thing and it's like no items. And I was like, yeah, wait.
0: Then what do you do? Right. what? So it's just a fighting game now? <laughs> yeah. So we're
1: just like punching each other. Like, I thought I this was it. Mario
0: Party. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I play. Like I have this thing with a lot of the games I love where I like the kind of dumb casual version of it. Yeah. Like uh, Smash. I I love Smash and I play it a lot, but I play it with items on. Yeah. Um, Like Magic the Gathering. My favorite way of playing Magic is the kind where you show up and draft a deck on the fly and play with that whereas like the building a constructed deck ahead of time that you've bought the most expensive cards for has no appeal to me
1: that's really so i learned how to play magic for the first time this summer really yeah i i get it i get why it's fun yeah i if you if you like pulled out a deck right now and you're like sid let's play i definitely need some help Mm -hmm. but like i i learned how to play i played a game it was really fun and i didn't realize like now i get it though like is that annoying that people can just buy really like OP cards um, and if you can't afford, like it just feels like some people can really throw some money at their decks.
0: It in the formats where like it's about bringing your own deck. Yeah. I think that that can be um a little like a little bit of a barrier to entry for me. It's I don't like how unrandom those decks are like. Yeah, you have if those standards of like those formats have kind of fallen out of favor a little bit. The like, 60 card deck where you actually only have five cards but you have four copies of all of them and the game goes kind of the same every time like those have kind of died off in favor of what i like to do which is drafting where Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to be in your deck until you open the boosters or uh something called commander which is this 100 card magic format where every card in your deck has to be different
1: Oh, that's fine. See, I didn't even think about people putting repeats in my head. Everybody, yeah, everything's different,
0: right? And these in the format, the most popular magic format right now is something invented by the players called commander, and it's I'm starting to get into that a little bit. A lot of people, like in my my friend group, are big commander players, and it just results in more dynamic mm-hmm. games. Also, it's like a four player format, so it's okay. kind of like the nerd version of like sitting around with your friends playing poker and drinking beers, but magic sure um, yeah and that is like kind of that's the most popular way to play magic right now shockingly
1: commander yeah there's a um a card shop not too far from here that i can like i'll drive by and i'll and i'm assuming people are playing magic because that's mm-hmm. like from where i'm sitting it looks like Magic. it looks like card. a magic place yeah. i mean
0: that is it's still up there you'll occasionally see pockets of Yu Gi Oh in the corner there's a card shop i really really love in north carolina mm-hmm. that i I was just talking to the guy who owns it, and apparently it's become the de facto place where people play the Digimon card game, which I didn't wow, know still monsters? existed. Wow, Digital Monsters? Digimon, Digimon are, are the champions? champions. <laughs> uh this place they are. Um, wow, it,
1: good for them. I know.
0: I'm glad they found a home. It's, dude, wow. card shops in Los Angeles. Like, this has been something that I've had to get used to. My favorite card shop in North Carolina is, like, the size of, like, six of my apartment in LA and then I have a big apartment I, and, then, and then I've gone to like card shops in LA and they're like the size of your kitchen they're yeah. like oh they're so small they're in and, and I like my friend D was telling me like that's that shop you just went to is actually the biggest card shop in LA and I'm like how is that possible like the one I go to in North Carolina is mm-hmm. essentially like a full like bar tavern that has a, a fully stocked bar and like 50 tables Boy, that
1: sounds so nice it's
0: amazing and i feel like i could maybe get there if i drive outside of la enough there must be things like that but i think yeah. just like la real estate means that uh it's just not tenable to have a card shop that's bigger than like a subway sandwich shop or something
1: <laughs> would you ever like open a card shop
0: i don't know man i
1: you and cards i feel like is kind of a hobby i would say yeah like you don't really you don't make magic content
0: not really no
1: so would you consider, I guess, blurring that line? Or do you like having a hobby? I don't know. It feels yeah, healthy. I
0: do think it is probably healthy to have things that you don't do for work that you enjoy. Yeah. I There is a part of my brain whenever I'm like playing magic on my computer or with friends where I'm like, should I be filming this? Should I be streaming this? And I like dabble in streaming it. But I, for me, so much of what I do for my job is mm-hmm. me taking the things I love and forcing myself to m- like do that as a job. yeah. And I think you're right that it is probably a little psychologically cleaner to have things that you are just doing for fun.
1: Yeah. Um, but, but I think that's hard when like, I don't know, a theme. So the a theme of this podcast is that originally it was supposed to just be my friends coming on and talking about your hobbies. yeah. And I realized that most of my friends made their hobbies their job, for sure. which is really lucky and super cool. Totally. And it's like, it's an amazing place to be. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, a lot of times people don't pick up additional hobbies to like, yeah, take the place of what was, is now their job.
0: For sure. Like, I think, I think a tricky thing about being a, like an independent YouTuber is that you naturally gravitate towards taking the things you love and like contentifying them for lack of a better word, which is like you said, like totally a blessing Like very, very rare that people get to do that, but it does leave you in this place of like, when am I working and when am I not? Like what is and isn't work? Like whenever I'm, I tell someone I'm going to Japan, they're like, oh, is it for fun or is it for a video? And I'm like, yes, (laughs) like it's, (laughs) it's always both. I'm never not like there to see my friends and have fun. I'm also never not there, not thinking about like four or five videos that I could be working on. Is
1: that and we can cut this out if you don't want to talk about this, but is that because of like the tax implications of being able to write off the trip not, or is it no. like more just you have all these content ideas and you're already here. So you might as well do it. Like It's
0: the, it's the latter. It's okay. like, I'm not going to go to Japan and not film at least two videos there yeah. because I'm there already. I am when I'm not there, I'm f- coming up with ideas of things I could do there. Um, I, the idea of like going to Japan and not, at least a little bit thinking about videos I could do is so like would be so painful for me. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think I could totally take my foot off the gas and not be working towards some video. Why idea. why
1: do you think that is? Uh because I agree, because I mean there's certain like I'm playing control right now. Mm-hmm. But Brandon and I were playing through control to get ready for um, Alan Wake. Yeah. And whenever literally every time we play it, I'm like, should we like? drag a PC down and here and like plug stream in. this like should we at least like plug in, like, in Elgato like, yeah like, just like capture the gameplay just so we have yeah. it <laughs> yeah like it's there's just this it's like this thing in the back of your head and I don't know like I don't know what that is like I can't name the emotion to it or like really expand on it other than it, it feels like compuls like a compulsion
0: yeah well when you when you are coming off of like a decade of that being what you do for work like It's hard for me to play my Xbox and not turn on the, like, game capture feature and just have it ambiently recording everything just in case something happens that I want to make a video on. And a lot of times, I'm glad I did that. Like, that stuff ends up being helpful in the future. Um, That's the compromise I've made, by the way, is just, like, I'll play games not streamed, no microphone, but I will record it in case I make a video about Spelunky someday. (gasps)
1: I'm going to take that. That's such a good idea. You plug in an
0: external hard drive and like go into the Xbox Series X settings. You can just let it run for like an hour and it doesn't really affect performance or anything. It just is there. And then if you want to do like a video about this game that you wound up loving more than you thought you would, um, you'll be stoked that you have it. And that's my way of quieting (gasps) that voice in my head.
1: Pro tip, Nick. (laughs) Fuck.
0: Same with PC gaming. I just like the shadow play feature that nvidia has built in where you can just alt f10 and like save the past five minutes of whatever happened is like that's there probably for people who are intentionally making content but for me it quiets the voice of like is something really cool happening that i'm gonna miss i I can kind of enjoy the game and be like oh wait that magic plate was really good i'll like alt f10 and then i actually have like a kind of secret YouTube channel that is like linked in the description of my main channel that like maybe a hundred people have found Uh that is no commentary, the worst titles and thumbnails, but it's just like funny or interesting interactions that happen while I'm playing magic on arena, like drafting.
1: Wait, that sounds so cleansing.
0: Oh my gosh. It's so nice. That's actually a great maybe tip too, is like if you are somebody who is obsessive about high effort content it's so soothing to have a place for just throwaway, low effort. The channel's not monetized. There's copyright and music all <laughs> over the place. Cause that's what I'm listening to when I'm playing the yeah. game. It's just there. Cause it's like, for me as someone who uploads every three months, maybe like getting to upload three videos in a day that are going to get two comments each is actually kind of like therapeutic. Uh-huh. I'm just like, Oh, this is eight people saw it, but like, That's cool that eight people saw it the numbers mean something again kind of when you start from scratch on a new channel it's like a cool dynamic i think well
1: and i feel like i don't know how you said that the like thumbnail and titles are kind of scuffed Mm -hmm. so i don't know how much effort or not you're putting in but it sounds really freeing because something i do want to talk to you about is like your current youtube channel and i feel like what you're doing now is on meta but when you started doing it it wasn't right and like we'll definitely talk about that but like I don't know. It sounds fun to like make a thumbnail that, for me, is just like aesthetically pleasing or like has a creative point of view that makes sense to me right. and isn't just like which a red I red
0: arrow with a circle around. You're not doing yeah, any of that. It's purely no, yeah. Like what's funny to me? Like I look at the the magic cards art from whatever the little. 90 seconds of gameplay Mm -hmm. is and I'm like which one of these if I zoomed in on it really close would make me laugh and I that's the thumbnail like that
1: sounds so freeing (laughs) I'm considering right now actually I was just having this like conversation with myself about like I really like making outfit videos and like I don't think my audience gives a flying fuck what Mm -hmm. I'm wearing today um and I was like oh maybe I'll like start a new Instagram channel like just as a handle for me to like offload this stuff Mm -hmm. it's interesting to me and I don't think my audience actually yeah
0: that's such a the the compartmentalization of the stuff you make is such a weird thing to wrestle with because on the one hand you're like all these things are me mm-hmm. this is all who i am yeah and i've actually been really like weirdly stubborn about uh not making a second channel for like my youtube live streams or my like 82nd shit post videos like i kind of a i think there's a lot of superstition floating out there about like yeah. if you have a video that's 80 seconds and your viewers don't click on it, then your channel's dead. Or like, if you don't upload every yeah. 72 hours, your channel goes to hell. Like <laughs> a lot of that stuff is straight up like people trying to read the tea leaves and being really scared of, uh, like harming their channel, which I get, but I think YouTube's actually a little more flexible than that now. And yeah. I'll have, I'll upload a dumb joke video to my main channel and it'll do okay or do awful and then i'll do like a big video essay that's 45 minutes long or whatever and it can still do great because youtube really truly does assess individual videos way more than it cares about your overall channel health yeah i think
1: how do you deal with like well okay wait i want first i'll go back to what you're saying yeah i agree it's and that's why i haven't started the second instagram handle is because it's interesting um Somebody who was a former colleague of mine who now works at Instagram, I won't name him because I don't know if he was technically supposed to say this to me. Mm-hmm. But I asked him, I was like, hey, I like, this was back right after I left IGN. So I had a, I felt a lot of pressure to make gaming videos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, like, I'm thinking about, like, I need to put some gaming content up. It doesn't really make sense on my current channel, like on my current handle. Uh, would you advise just making, like kind of a like blink twice if I should just like make a new handle (laughs) and he was kind of like well if there's a way that you can like make sense of it in your head to like all of it is you so you should just exist on one thing and present yourself as like a whole person with different interests and I just I don't know I thought it was interesting because I think that is hopefully it feels like algorithms are changing to accommodate that
0: yeah it feels that way to me too um and and also the 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 sort of gargantuan like rise of short videos has mm-hmm. also made me realize that like the way I think about video has never been less relevant in a way. Yeah. Like uh I've I've made shorts and TikToks and stuff. A they take me like three weeks, which is stupid.
1: No, they take <laughs> me longer than a, a long well, I don't know. It's a long form video takes a long time in yeah. my world. But like they take a really long time. They, they
0: really do. And I I've realized that like I'm totally content being a person who's like bread and butter is these long form like documentary-ish things. Mm-hmm. But I'm realizing that like if I if I was somebody who was trying to make short form content today, I would have to completely reconfigure how my brain works because like I think that the people who do TikTok for a living and are making enough money to survive, which is pretty rare the way mm-hmm. TikTok pays out, it's you have to make like 10 videos a day and just yeah. be comfortable with like 90 videos that just fall flat on their face and then one that pops off and that is so antithetical to how I think about video like yeah I pour everything I got into one thing for like three to six months and then cross my fingers that (laughs) it works out which is which is kind of even in long form video that's a weird way to go about it
1: yeah well like I said you're so Nick, when I tell people or when I tell my therapist about like I've really been struggling lately with like what direction there's so we're in such a cool area. This is the reframe. We're in such a cool time right now in content that yeah. you can do anything. Right. Anything can theoretically be your bread and butter. At the same time, I feel very overwhelmed by like, there's so many choices. Yeah. And what am I gonna do with my time? And when I think about like what kind of career I want and like what kind of content you make, right? Because if you wanna have flexibility in your schedule and you don't want to be beholden to let's say going live 8 hours a day then like maybe don't stream in your spare time and build up a career as a live streamer because like then you're working towards a career like an end goal that sees you being live every all day yeah. all the time so if you don't want that you shouldn't practice that sort of a thing yeah this is a long way of saying that the way that you have curated how your channel runs and how you like run your life and career from the outside looking in is really fascinating to me because I don't think very many people do that
0: it's yeah it's and I think the only reason I do it it's not some like shrewd tactical ingenious vision that I've had from the beginning it's like I have it's the only thing I know how to really do is like 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 my work-life balance is um I would say like a 2 out of 10 and not because I work too hard. I my my style of work is like weeks of catastrophizing about how I'm going to make a video uh-huh. and getting very very little done. I like I started a video that has to come out next month yesterday and I wrote like three sentences. And then but but the other side of that is it's like like multiple weeks of hating myself for not making progress. And then this really intense period of deep work with like like really late nights, like dozen plus hours of just nonstop like nose to the grindstone editing and working, mm-hmm. and it's a very manic <laughs> kind of yeah. method of work that I wouldn't advise actually. But I've at this point I've realized that that's just how I am. Like mm-hmm. that's the only way I I know how to make these things happen. Um,
1: are you able to like, I guess, enjoy maybe the time in between that you're not working or do you find yourself kind of like beating yourself up for
0: not? Definitely v- beating myself up. Damn, uh, Nick, like, you were I,
1: supposed to be my saving grace. I know, this, sorry. This is how
0: I am. <laughs> you know what it is? Is when I release a big video, there's like a four or five day window where I'm just kind of looking at the reaction to it and feeling very stoked about what I've made. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to kind of relax and enjoy stuff during that time like maybe the week after okay yeah but then I just start like as the weeks crawl on I'm like I'm multiple weeks in I sh- instead of spending time like kind of patting myself on the back for how how this video is doing I should have I should have just like gotten off the computer essential or gotten off like YouTube and instead yeah. of just reading comp like comments that are telling me how great the video is I should just take that energy and put it into the next
1: thing. Like kind of use a momentum sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've not, I don't think I've ever successfully come off of a video and gone straight into the next one. And I think that I maybe ought to. Do you to. want to? Yes. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> the
1: quick yes. Okay. So like in that most ideal world, like what's your cadence?
0: I, man, I, you know what's weird is my cadence is slowed actually. Um, My videos have also gotten longer and a little yeah. bigger, Um, but like I, I really don't. In my heart of hearts, I don't think that there's a reason I'm that I couldn't do a video a month if I actually worked. Do you want a normal to though? Amount. Like,
1: let's just say, like, like you're playing God. You're like, yeah, Nick Robinson. Like, this is how his he's I how kinda, much time. Like, how, what's your output?
0: I kind of do f- wish that I did that. Um, at the same time, though, it's like I think I'm a person who, without structure, I'm I'm really. Uh, I'm just like a a pure procrastinator in the purest like dictionary <laughs> That's why definition. Why we get along, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. And and for that reason, it's like, uh, I just without I I haven't been really punished for my upload schedule not existing or yeah. slipping or long waits between my videos. And so, without any sort of structure and without like a boss yelling at me that I need to get stuff done, um, I kind of work on these videos indefinitely. And, and the thing that I'm getting better at is mm-hmm. being the person who takes it away from myself and says, this is good enough, this is done now. Um, because when I look back on other projects of mine where I'm like, <laughs> there was a video I did uh, last year where um, a, a conversation in the video takes place on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And like me and the uh, co-editor I was working with at the time, um, we we're, were like obsessively trying to perfectly recreate what an instagram dm looks like like down to the t and i was like that font's not right and the spacing isn't right and the animation when it pops up it actually like pops up the emojis first and then the text and in hindsight zero people noticed or cared <laughs> like there's there's ways to obsess over your stuff and add details to things that is additive and that makes it better there's also ways to do that that is just you spinning your wheels and like hyper-focusing on a small problem so you don't have to move on to like the next 60 seconds of the edit where there's a lot of unsolved murky scary stuff that you don't know how you're going to make it work yet and that's that's something i'm realizing about myself too is like i i want to get through 60 seconds of this video every day if i can and Mm -hmm. sometimes that means leaving alone a tiny quirk or coming back later to it and polishing it if it's really bothering me at the end of the video
1: how long does like an edit take for
0: you um I think
1: cuz I feel like the the interesting thing sorry I asked you a question No it's I'm okay really I don't I need to stall cuz okay, I don't perfect. have a perfect answer um is that like the interesting thing with your videos is it feels like it's edited almost like TV mm. like there's um a quality again it's hard to talk about it now because I think it's become more and more of that standard of the like video essay kind of standard on YouTube is that they people edit the videos like a documentary or yeah. something. Um, but I feel like you started doing video essays way before that was rewarded in the algorithm.
0: Yeah, I, I think I did. But I th- like my I've, I've talked a lot about the things I'm not happy with about how I work. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm proud of is that my North Star has kind of always been and still is like the stuff that I think is cool and the things I enjoy in actual TV and movies.
1: You're lucky you have good taste.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. I'm lucky that there's a bunch of other people who have the same bad taste as me, is what it is.
1: No, you can't say that because I feel (laughs) like we have very similar
0: taste. No, yeah. I, I kind of think that if the way the last five years went, like the YouTube algorithm actually somehow resulted in a situation where people don't want long form stuff I probably would still be making it and just starving <laughs> like yeah. that's I, so, I don't think that I was really shrewd or tactical at any point in this stuff I think I just made the stuff that I want to make that didn't exist and made the videos that I'd want to watch yeah and I'm grateful that I am in the timeline where that's paying off but um, I, I don't know that there was any strategy to it to yeah be honest.
1: well how I don't know, like, what is that, though? Because I feel like that's a lot of maybe, like, creative conviction mm. to say, like, I would still be making long-form videos kind of like, fuck you, like, um, money that pays my bills, <laughs> you know? Like, what is that? Because um, that's a hard place to get to.
0: It's You know what it is? Is, like, I have my entire life, and I don't think this is an admirable trait, found it really hard to pretend to, to give a shit about something. Yeah. Um, Like, I if I've ever had a like a job or like in school was in a class that I didn't care about, like I can't. My My attention span is such that I like can't feign interest in something that I don't care about. And so, I mean, it's easy for me to say this because it's worked out on YouTube. Yeah. Maybe if it didn't, then I would have started doing daily vlogs or something. Yeah. But I really don't think I would have because I don't think that I would enjoy making or watching. That's that that particular type of content.
1: So would you say you make what you want to watch?
0: hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I hear people give that as advice a lot of just like, just do the thing you want to do and like make the videos that you want to see. That is, that is really good advice. I think the important caveat is like that won't necessarily always. uh,
1: Net you a career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it is the only way to have a fulfilling one in my mind. Like, the way I see it, it's like there's like a like a grid, like a two by two grid. Like you can either make videos you hate, not make a living, make videos you hate uh, and make a living, which I don't think either of those are like the second one's not going to make you happy either. Make videos you love and not make a living or make videos you love and make a living. And mm-hmm. like the goal is the fourth one. The goal is yeah. make videos you love and make a living. But I think that make videos you love that you're creatively satisfied by that you think are interesting that you'd want to watch. And that, like, even if a half dozen other people are stoked on them, I think that the feeling of a a small handful of people loving something you made that you love feels way, way better than a million people loving something you made that you don't give a shit about. To me, like, yeah, that's kind of my yardstick.
1: So what is. Six like what is a successful video to you? Because then it doesn't sound like views. Like, does views bother you if a video doesn't?
0: Yeah, I'm human. I'm human. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it. If a video, well, I guess. Sorry,
1: I keep interrupting no, you. Go, go 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 like, go You're human. Like
0: I, it's. I think it's impossible not to compare your videos to your biggest successes, mm-hmm. and uh like
1: because you have some big ones.
0: Yeah, there's a couple in there that are huge. I I finally past this threshold though where the biggest videos on my channel are actually ones that are good and I care about whereas there was a period of time where it was some really stupid shit (laughs) posty things that I I think are funny but are not representative of like what I think the channel is Mm -hmm. now I'm at this point now where like I think my biggest video still is like what a second person video game would look like and that video stemmed from me being obsessed with this game called driver San Francisco and wanting desperately to just make a video to tell people how cool this game is. Like the thesis at the end of that video is just me saying the sentence, please play driver San Francisco. (laughs) And, um, so the fact that I sort of backdoored this very underrated Xbox 360 game into a much bigger idea that to me feels like me like that,
1: like that feels like success.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it's probably going to be the Biggest video I've ever made. How many views does it have now? I don't know off the top of my head. It's, let's see. I feel like
1: every once in a while I'll go on your channel and see if you uploaded anything and I'll watch it. And I'm always like, like, I know you're really good at YouTube and like, I've always really been a fan of your videos, but sometimes I'll look and be like, holy fucking shit, Nick, this has so many views.
0: Okay. I just checked and it's 28 million, which is.
1: What does that feel like to that? Like. Uh, Because this feels like the fourth square.
0: Yeah, it is. It is definitely the fourth square. I'm still stoked when I see how well that video is done. I don't think it feels terribly different from a million views or whatever. How interesting. Okay. Like, uh, yeah.
1: Does it feel different than like 500,000?
0: I mean, I feel like I should articulate this better. Like, they they do feel different. they are different levels of success. But, like… I feel like if a video of mine gets over, I still have the brain of somebody who has like 900 subscribers. Mm -hmm. So if I do a video and it gets over 100,000 views, which it almost always does at this point, I'm like, I did it. (laughs) And that's not, I don't know if that's a very sustainable way of thinking about it, but it prevents me from getting into the kind of like uh, unpleasant algebra of like, oh, this video didn't do well and it was about a really weird like thing I found in an old Xbox game. Should I do like a video about something a little more popular next next time? Like when I, if if that voice ever popped up in my head, it gets stomped down so quickly that I almost, out of stubbornness, am like the next video is going to be even weirder and even more obscure. And that's, oh, this is something that I think you might appreciate is there is still every video I've ever made, even the, the, especially the driver of San Francisco second person one, where there is fully a voice in my head the whole time I'm making a video saying like, nobody's gonna care about this. Like every time, every time. And, oh, and the way that I relate to this. <laughs> like every, very occasionally that voice is right, but you'd think like having done 30 or 40 like big video, high effort, high live documentaries like this, I would know by now that like someone's gonna care. But there's like a part of me, like, I think one of my biggest videos from last year was about this old original Xbox game called Phantom Dust that I loved that me and and uh, the guy I was working with at the time, Ryan, both grew up playing that game. We were like childhood friends. We obsessed with this game and poured months of our lives into this documentary. And the whole time I was convinced. I was like, this isn't going to, there's no return on investment here. Zero shot that this video does well. But we both love this game so much and had so much fun talking about the game and working on it and talking to the guy who made the game Mm -hmm. that it was like, I just want this video to exist for me. And I want one person out there to be able to send this link to one other person out there being like, this game seems amazing. We should download it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a pretty, in, in my experience following that North star of, I love this thing and I'm stoked to talk about it and I can't wait for this video to be released. Has, has led me to like pretty repeatable success in a way that I didn't expect.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting to hear you talk about like um, the, I mean, you obviously have like a repeatable, like a track record, right? It's mm-hmm. not like you had one video that hit 28 million views and then like that was like an accident from the perspective of if YouTube analytics are like the only thing that we care about right now. Uh-huh. Um. But it's interesting because like, I come from a, sh- a very heavy strategy background of like when I was at Buzzfeed, we would literally look for the most popular video. Like I would just go through the trending page, mm-hmm. which also is hilarious. Cause like no one gives a fuck about trending except so, like, for YouTube the creators, trending yeah, YouTube yeah. trending page. Only other creators look at the <laughs> trending page. Like I don't think a normal person who's going on YouTube is yeah. like clicking on trend. I don't even know where to find that at this point. Um, but so it's like, I would go through the trending page look for like I don't know somebody taught their like lizard how to use the bathroom like <laughs> a toilet and I'm like, oh my gosh what an- other animals could we teach to use a toilet like right. we should make a video on that and so it very much was like one creating repeatable formats and two finding patterns mm-hmm. that like we could exploit to make our own version of right yeah so it's interesting to hear that to you if a video does well or doesn't do well, you're not sitting there being like oh wow this obscure video game that's about the making of this obscure video game like did really well. I should find another obscure video game and make yeah. like, so how like,
0: my YouTube how are you partner, turning that off? Dude, my, my YouTube partner manager is pretty, I think quietly fed up with this <laughs> part of me because he like most people on YouTube thinks about it in the strategy way of yeah. like, how can you repeat this? This should be a series. And I have again, this really stubborn part of my brain that's like, uh, people will ask me to make another video about Super Monkey Ball or Phantom Dust or uh, Microsoft Bimbos. And my reaction to that is like, I kind of don't want to be the that thing guy. Yeah. I want to surprise people, not every time, but as close to every time as I can get. I the, the thing that I'm addicted to is people coming out of a video being like, I didn't care about that before. I wasn't even interested in that. And now I am. I'm very psyched about it.
1: Nick, I cried after your Blastoise video. Let's
0: go. I, like, I
1: literally cried. <laughs> that's the
0: other. This is like maybe weirder. But the other thing I'm addicted to is like my f- one of my favorite types of comment is somebody being like, I went into this thinking this was so stupid. Like, and now I'm crying. Yeah. I'm like, that is a really weird journey for a YouTube video to take somebody yeah. on. Um, but I like, I value that so much. Like, um. Yeah it's just it's a weird I think it happened once I don't remember what video it was was the first one where I got a comment where someone was like this actually made me legitimately emotional Um, but there is a part of me now that's like it because it feels closer to real filmmaking when it's Mm. not just like a entertaining popcorn here's the history of Halo or whatever like yeah if if I the I really enjoy comments where people are like this Felt like I watched a Netflix documentary or it felt like I watched a movie. Yeah. Um, And it's nice being on YouTube because the bar is different than it is like theatrically. It If if people click on a, something in their suggestions and all of a sudden they're 25 minutes into a movie and they're like, I was cooking dinner when I started this and I had to sit down and like put it on my TV to finish it. I'm like, that that's, it feels like a magic trick where you're like, they yeah. think they're watching a dumb YouTube video. The title and thumbnail might even make them think it is one. And then by the end of it, they got something that's like a maybe a more satisfying or something. Um,
1: Scratch is a different itch, yeah, like a more intent, more directional itch than
0: yeah, you exactly. Like giving people something they didn't even know that they wanted is a fun trick to try and pull off, and it's hard, but it's.
1: Well, so how much are you thinking about that when you're planning your video? What if, could we, like, would you let us, like, talk about, like, your process? Sure. I think that's really interesting because, yeah. like, it sounds so spontaneous. At the same time, though, like, the edits that you're doing and when you're watching the finished product, like, it feels spontaneous to the audience, but it's very clear that there's a lot of intention and thought putting put into the video. hmm so like do you have like a bank of idea if you're not looking at your previous videos as like a guiding light of maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. Like mm-hmm. where does an idea come from?
0: I think I've I've become pretty vigilant about writing an idea down as soon as I have it no matter how stupid it is. Mm-hmm. And I do have the experience that everyone does where the next day you look at that idea and you're like how that could not be a video at all. But I have this weird second step of I write down a dumb idea Next day I look at it and I'm like, that's a stupid idea. But then the next thing I do is I look at all my past uploads and I'm like, wait, those were stupid ideas too (laughs) at one point. So maybe it's okay. Um, But my process is really, really driven by what's interesting to me at the time. So I have this uh, habit of, I've tried to build my life in such a way where like every day I can sit down and look at all my ideas and work on the one that's the most interesting to me. Yeah. Um,
1: So how many videos do you have? Like kind of video um, tabs open at a time?
0: like that i'm actively working on like for real writing and working on it's like one honestly um and what's weird about a lot of them is they cover really large swaths of time sometimes so it's like if i see something or come across like some little addition that would work for video I'll go throw that in the, I use Notion, but I don't use it correctly.
1: I, I started using Notion because of you.
0: Oh, sick. Nice. I think you had a sponsorship. Did I did you, have a referral yeah. code from them. I, well, um, I
1: remember you ta- you were over here and you were talking to us about like, oh yeah, Notion and it's cool because like I use it and I they're sponsored, blah, blah, blah. And then you were like just talking about why you like Notion and then you left and I was like, fuck, that sounds cool. And then I downloaded <laughs> it and now it like, if, my, if Notion ever went out of business, like, I, like my entire (laughs) life is on Notion. For sure. Sorry, continue.
0: I would love to see what your like Notion page looks like because this was a situation, and I do this a lot, where like I liked the product first and then I reached out to them about a sponsorship Mm -hmm. because it's so much easier. Similar to how with a video, it's, I just can't make myself excited about it unless I'm genuinely excited about it. I kinda try to carry that into like 80% of my sponsorships where I love the product first and I ask them, do you guys do any sort of influencer stuff? Um, and notion was one of those where I just liked the product a lot. Mine's not organized. It's not, I get like targeted Instagram ads for like notion life planning, like 80 tab <laughs> things with like graphs of your productivity in a day. Mine is not that yeah. I like it because it's, uh, like Google docs, but you can put it in, in like a tweet or a YouTube video or something else in there and have them all linked together. Yeah. But I'm using it as like a writing thing first and foremost. Um, so my process starts generally with me writing the parts of the video that need to be written um, which is the part that's the most like pulling teeth for me. I yeah. I wish I was one of those people who is stoked to write and loves it but it making myself sit down and do it is like pretty for arduous. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, How do
1: you know which pieces need to be written? Like because that sounds like at that point you already have an idea of like a rough skeletal outline of what the video is.
0: Yeah, I I think I start writing when I feel like I have all the ingredients for the video okay. already, like when the story has an ending. When, when the, how do
1: you find the ending? Because I feel like your stories are very like how to John Wilson sort of yeah, thing for sure. where it's like, maybe we start on scaffolding and all of a sudden we're watching a man like get his dick pulled by like a yeah. contraption that he built. Mm. So like, that's a, that's an, a windy path.
0: Well, that is a weird thing though, is that so many of my videos like take place in reality that mm-hmm. the endings kind of happen naturally. Okay, Choosing where to end it is a real thing. Like, um, I've, I've got a the, the video I did about Phantom Dust like I could have made that video without interviewing the guy who made the game but one thing that I've one thing that I'm glad I figured out how to do is channel my procrastination into videos so like I'm like I have this voice in my head where I'm like well I can't really make a video about Phantom Dust unless I get to talk to Yukio Futatsugi the guy who made the game mm-hmm. and so I'll reach out to him for an interview and I think that's my version of procrastinating where I'm yeah. just like I don't want to actually work so let me like just make this video better and a lot of times that results in a better video yeah a better video (laughs) so it's um but but also like as my videos have gotten have started taking place in the real world more and more um the writing process there's less of me in them and less of my narration in them from time to time so like the blastoise video is a good example where a lot of that video is was filmed in in reality of just the events unfolding as they happened and The amount of necessary narration was just like the intro of it, uh, adding little interstitials so that it like flows a little more clearly and kind of checks in with the audience to tell them, all right, now we're on this step and here's what needs to happen. Um, So there's less writing there and more like getting a transcript of my video, Mm -hmm. all the stuff I shot and pulling in things from that into the document just to give me a loose idea of how it's going to feel and sound like. uh,
1: So you go into Notion after you already shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I have a notion tab where I'm dropping all the assets that I think I'm going to need later. Like I found a let's say I find a video of like a cool song from the Phantom Dust soundtrack. I'm like, let me embed that in there. I'll be glad I have it six months from now. But the writing process doesn't really start till everything's shot. Mm -hmm. Um, so So it's
1: like the transition point between actually sitting in Premiere and editing and or I guess the transition point between shooting and then actually editing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah so like for the documentary stuff like Blastoise where I'm shooting stuff in real life which is most of my videos I guess like even the Domino's Hatsune Miku stuff I film stuff in Japan so it goes like shooting, writing, recording all my voiceover for it, putting it in Descript, the podcast editing app to uh-huh. like cut it down to the best takes and and then exporting that to Premiere and then I've got a Premiere timeline that's just empty with all the voiceover I have Um, and then it's like building the video. And I mostly build the video linearly from start to finish. I really okay. do work on minute one first and then minute two second. And then I'll go in and polish and rearrange stuff later probably, but it's a pretty linear process for Okay,
1: me. so before you go shooting, how much research have you done? Or do you kind of, do you like being surprised by like what's unfolding?
0: I kind of, I kind of do. I love like, f- I mean, it's a little bit laziness. Yeah. Like I went into that Blastoise thing Really not knowing what I was Mm -hmm. doing, um, which I think wasn't some cunning, dramatic thing, um, but also led to, I think, a better video because I'm learning how this process works. That guy we call in to help us, like completely saving our ass a hundred times was the highlight of the video for a lot of people. Um, also, for people who have no idea what we're talking yeah. about, can you just give like top level like the Blastoise video sure, what yeah. it is? So um, I got an email from this guy who I actually saw in New York recently um, oh. uh, named Harrison who emailed me about how he had found his old childhood like Pokemon Leaf Green cartridge and remembered that when he was a kid he used a GameShark cheating device to try and make his Blastoise really strong. But he gave it the equivalent of like 6,000 levels. And that game has this weird sort of pseudo-anti-cheat in there where if a Pokemon it's like data has been manipulated in a way that uh, is obvious, uh, the game turns your Pokemon into a bad egg, which just is an egg that you can't hatch, that doesn't do anything, can't fight with it, doesn't look like the Pokemon you had anymore. And... He said that he had kind of looked into it and thought that there might somehow be a way to bring it back to life. He read a bunch of like forum threads and he was like, Mm -hmm. he's like, I don't even know where to start with this, but I feel like if anyone could figure it out, it would be you. Um, And so... What
1: a reputation.
0: Yeah, it's weird, right? I don't totally see how he got there. I guess I recovered like a lost uh, Hatsune Miku Domino's iPhone app and he was like, well, this is data recovery too in a way. But like, frankly, I was not qualified for that job. Mm -hmm. But I was able to get in touch with just enough people who were to kind of guide us through that process together. And it was one of those things where it was infinitely more complex. Like I, I kind of was worried going into it that it was going to be super easy and not very dramatic. And, mm-hmm. and the stakes would have to come from the editing and the music. But it wound up being like so insanely dramatic. It was and very dramatic. That I was like, people are like, I have this like voice in my head of like, what's the the most dismissive YouTube comment going to be like on this video when it comes out. And for me with that video, I was like, Pokemon experts are not going to love this. They're going to be like, this is trivial. You could do this in Pokehex in three seconds. And I was so stoked as the process unfolded, where it was so complicated that like, even the most, I get comments to this day from people who are experts on Pokemon stuff being like, I was really ready to say that this video was not a big deal, but then they got to the part where this happened and they had to like search through the hexadecimal code for a certain string and change that. And I kind of, my my goal with that video that I think I hit was to make a video that would satisfy the most insane like niche Pokemon weirdos and make a video that my parents could watch and n- mostly understand do it. Do your
1: parents watch all your videos? Yeah, they do. I, feel, I was gonna say, I feel like your parents are so supportive, period. <laughs> yeah. The few times that I've gotten to talk to them, yeah. it would be surprising if they didn't, but They're, that's so sweet. They really
0: are. And I was actually with them in person the when that blast video premiered Mm -hmm. just for like weird sponsor timing reasons we were all in the same place and like it like made my mom cry (laughs) which (gasps) was like that's that's cool that's a cool feeling so cool yeah like i i was it's a really tricky balance of strike of making something hyper technical but that doesn't alienate normies Yeah, And it's a fun challenge to have for yourself to do that.
1: Are you actively thinking about that as you're doing it? Or is it kind of final watch you're watching and being like, okay. Mm,
0: It was pretty active the whole time. Like the Blastoise video in particular, my stuff's not normally that technical, but one of the challenges of the video was that. And um, choosing how much of the insane techno babble to put in there was intense. But something that helped was, I think, having me as an audience avatar saying repeatedly, like, what's happen- wh- I have no idea what's <laughs> happening here. Can you explain this like a yeah. normal person? Um, was a helpful yardstick because it gave people someone to latch onto who was like also just barely hanging on by their fingernails to understanding this process.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Here, let's go back to you mentioned that where you take your inspiration is from, like, like you really love very obscure television. Yeah. And you love film, and so like when you're thinking about YouTube videos are you like are you actively seeking i guess visual inspiration or cuz i know you know some people will watch youtube again going back to my job at buzzfeed mm-hmm. watch a youtube video you're like oh this popped off oh this is really cool how this youtuber did x or y or there's plenty of people who look at what mr beast is doing and mm-hmm. it's like wow this is inspiring i want to take these aspects and put it into my youtube videos it sounds like you're watching t- like t- tv yeah. or you're watching film and being like oh this is really interesting how like X direct like Christopher Nolan did XYZ. Like I'm gonna take that into my like. How are you looking for inspiration?
0: That's uh, yeah. I think that I probably pull way more from like the Nathan Fielders and the John Wilsons of the world yeah. than I am other YouTubers. um Like I don't really watch as many documentaries though as as people might think. I probably yeah. should because I think it's pretty edifying to see. How other people approach it as my content has gotten more and more uh like documentary like and has taken mm-hmm. more place in the real world and has been about people other than me i think it probably would like behoove me to watch a lot more documentary but i've found that i just do that on planes for some reason
1: documentaries are only on planes I, for you.
0: not only but like Most often. Yeah. Of what I remember, like, there's just a good amount of them on every Delta flight. I watched like some documentary about a Pez guy, the guy who like was stealing Pez dispensers and smoking them into America. What? It's a pretty good documentary, actually. Okay. And there's another one that I on my last flight I watched called like Jurassic Punk. That was about the guy who did most of the CGI in Jurassic Park and how he kind of like was a little bit ostracized because he was impossible to work with a little bit and also Mm kind of slipped into like addiction. And it's a very interesting story that I, but the things that inspire me most about other documentaries weirdly is stuff like seeing how they do title cards and lower thirds and the opening parts of it. Like those are the things where I'm like, I think I could do that. Yeah. And and then editorially I just kind of, I'm trying to retain as much of my own voice as possible and kind of tell the story. This is a really uh, crucial tool for me. Like something that I do a lot and that I've done with you a lot actually Mm -hmm. is telling the story of an upcoming video um, that I'm working on to a friend like that to me is the quickest way to distill how I ought to do it in video form. Interesting. So like when I'm telling you the story of um, like, oh, yeah, I just went back to North Carolina and met up with this guy to like try and save his Pokemon. And then I like walk through like the, you know, the 60 second talking to a friend version of it. That's, that's how I think about it when I'm writing it. I try to kind of explain it. Like I'm talking to somebody that I care about. Uh, cause I feel like that's a good way to kind of, that's a good conduit for natural like enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. I think like talking Earnestly and excitedly about something to my friends is has always been one of my favorite things about being alive, yeah. and <laughs> and what I love about YouTube Up is there that with it, like breathing, it's top, breathing. Yeah, top yeah top three breathing, eating, and then like telling my friend about like a video game or a movie I think they'd love. Uh-huh. um, I just really love advocating for the shit that I think is cool.
1: Yeah, and
0: YouTube is a really awesome thing I think because it lets you do that on like a scale that you couldn't do before. Yeah. Um, And and a scale where there's no I don't have to convince a movie studio to make a documentary about Phantom dust like because they're not gonna. But if I make one myself and make it to the standards that that I think the game deserves, it's like a really easy process for me to bottle that enthusiasm and put it up on YouTube for free and give people just like a hyperlink that they can send to their friends if they want to kind of convert them to fans of something I love.
1: Huh, so, do you think of because I'm I'm trying to think of your video log right now, or at least of the like more long format videos. Yeah. Do you feel like all of them are kind of like conversion therapies for whatever subject it is?
0: Or? Um. It's it's weird. It started it started that way. Like the the first like documentary format thing I did was just about this really funny commercial for Domino's Pizza collaborating with the Vocaloid Hatsune Miku in Japan. It was.
1: What number video was that? Like cuz that video ended up popping off.
0: It did. It was my first video of that kind on that channel. My YouTube channel has existed since 2005. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't
1: you, realize that you didn't start a new one. No, okay. I
0: I kind of never have. I'm using the same channel. There's if you go to my channels and sort, they recently added back the sort by oldest to newest feature. My oldest video is like 16 years ago, I think. Uh-huh. And it's like me on the world's worst digital camera filming myself <laughs> playing elite beat agents on the Nintendo DS showing off like a secret character that I found in there with no commentary. Um, but that's like, YouTube has been my favorite website for my entire life and, uh, using the same channel as like a through line for all of it and having it populated by content spanning back two decades is really gratifying to me because it, it kind of, kind of, you can see my whole journey of uploading stuff and kind of aspiring to show off weird little things hidden in games going back to when I was a teenager yeah um but yeah basically the the Domino's Miku thing was the first high effort highly edited thing I did on my my Mm. own channel and um it popped off by my standards like it, it it was a hit by my standards which really shocked me and kind of encouraged me to keep doing these kind of like high effort edited things where the musical score is really considered and and it treats these subjects that ostensibly don't deserve like a (laughs) big documentary about them with the the accoutrement the music and the score and the narration of a more serious subject that's kind of when i struggle like i think a lot of people do to when they ask what your channel is about i struggle to sum it up but the best shorthand i've found is like going to really extreme lengths for really, really small things. So solving really small mysteries or talking about a game that sold 3000 copies in America or whatever, like pouring a psychotic amount of effort into a thing that probably on its face doesn't seem like it deserves it. That's my, that's my beat. I think
1: how long I also, I noticed that that's like your YouTube channel description and I was really impressed because I think those are the hardest. It's so hard to distill Mm -hmm. what you do into like a sentence and I thought yeah. it was, like, very succinct Thank and also you. very, um, like, representative.
0: It's the only way I can describe all of the 400-ish uploads I ha- Well, maybe maybe it doesn't describe all of them. But it's the only way I can describe, like, the, the wide variety of things that I've done videos on in a way yeah. that sums them all up, I think. Because um, there is a lot of – sometimes it'll be a documentary that was filmed – in person and sometimes it'll be you never see my face and it's me talking the whole time narrated with editing and stuff like the fam video mostly is um those are pretty different things yeah and the only thing they have in common is that it's something that I was stoked to talk about <laughs>
1: yeah how did you well so you mentioned earlier about like your voice mm-hmm. and I think that that like you definitely absolutely follow like your voice and your taste um but like I feel like for most people that doesn't happen overnight. Mm. So I guess my question is, whichever order you want to answer this, how did you, How do you feel like, do you feel like you had to establish your voice or at least like come to understanding like this is my creative point of view or this is how I like to make videos or have you always had the confidence to follow that? Uh, I.
0: It's hard to say. I, I feel like I stumbled into it. Like uh, the the Domino's Miku thing being successful kind of maybe gave me the confidence to like luckily for me that video was my voice and wasn't a reach and wasn't me trying to do something that was unnatural to me. And so I think that video doing surprisingly well by my measure made me feel like oh I can just talk about what like the, the the pivotal point for me was. (laughs) the <laughs> it's a really weird commercial for people who don't know of uh like a 70 year old white businessman <laughs> talking in a in a very japanese style the script is clearly like a auto translated from japanese english script but he's speaking english as japanese subtitles and he's explaining to the audience in this white void who hatsune miku is and the and he he opens the video by saying hello everyone i'm scott president of domino's pizza have you heard of hatsune miku And that video was like on my short list of the funniest things in the world to me. The editing is insane. It's like cutting between multiple camera angles and these crazy crash zooms on like his eyes. It just mystified me.
1: It really is an insane video. It's nuts.
0: And the the moment that was kind of an awakening to me was when I made a documentary about this video where I'm like this video got like 300,000 views. Like this is insane. And then when my documentary about the video surpassed the video in views, I was like, it, it changed my brain chemistry where I was like, if the thing I make, uh, kind of talking about something I love can be bigger than the thing I love. That's really empowering me to talk about anything. Yeah, And, and I kind of have learned through trial and error that like, if, if you talk truly earnestly and passionately about something you actually am, are fascinated by or love or think is really funny or great, like, that feeling of enthusiasm is really contagious and people can detect it. Yeah. And I don't think, I i really don't think that I would have had the same level of success if I was trying to uh, perform enthusiasm for something that I kind of didn't actually care about. Yeah. Um,
1: How do you ever scrap a video if you lose enthusiasm? Cause I'm thinking like, <laughs> i i'm secretly asking about a certain video we (laughs) can
0: talk about it if you want (laughs) okay there's a a, so i constantly have a lot of videos in various stages of of production Mm -hmm. right now i'm in this period actually of like a lot of videos that i shot in 2021 in 2022 i'm like just now getting around to editing um the one i'm actively working on right now that's meant to come out in october was shot in in 2021 wait Um, what video is it the, the game boy one you know about this? No, it's it's <laughs> not a, the
1: answer I wanted. No,
0: it's not not JF. <laughs> not um, JF. But we can. I mean, we. Can, I'm happy to talk about that yeah. because this. I'm just using this podcast as therapy for me right now. Th-
1: that's perfect. <laughs> I I am such a therapy bitch that it's perfect. Like,
0: that's ideal. This is perfect because so there's a video that I shot also in 2021 mm-hmm. um, that I that I told you about. And I told a few friends about and I've come to regret telling people about because now every (laughs) time I see the people who know about it, they ask about it, which is valid and honestly helpful and and is pushing me. It adds a sense of urgency to it Uh that might not be there otherwise. And that's something I struggle with as somebody with no boss. Like I I need outside forces sometimes to like kind of pressure me I'm the same way stuff. Yeah. A lot of times that pressure is just I haven't uploaded in two and a half months. Holy (laughs) shit. Like, I need to make something or I like, what am I doing? Um, But the external pressure, it's a documentary about this guy named Jeremy Fragrance, who I've been fascinated by for three years. And who's blown the fuck up. This is the other problem is with procrastinating is that it keeps rewarding my worst instincts. (laughs) Like the fact that I waited on the Jeremy Fragrance thing makes is probably better it's probably yeah. a better time for a Jeremy fragrance doc now than it was three years ago when well, I, cause
1: like how many followers did he have when you, how I, did you find him?
0: I think I just saw like TikToks tocks of, him. cause he is
1: like quintessential Nick Robinson humor. Yeah. Like absolutely. But I remember you told me about him back in like 2021 ish mm-hmm. and I started following him. And then all of a sudden I noticed he has like millions he does. of subscribers on TikTok now.
0: Yeah. He is a fascinating, like, case study on like part of what attracted i mean he's hilarious obviously but also he is my opposite in terms of how we approach the internet and what uh-huh. we do like i'm uploading every at this point 3 months he is doing 10 videos a day on every platform and isn't like i've i've filmed him doing this like i can vouch for this he sincerely films the video uploads it without watching it and moves on. He is, he is the least, I know it's kind of (laughs) admirable. Like I actually came away from spending a week with him feeling like there's things I learned that like are there's ways he operates that are like a little less precious, a lot less precious than I am about my stuff. And maybe I need some of that in my life. Um, The real reason that video hasn't come out um, is it's, it's a mix of, Focusing on the thing I want to focus on the most at any given time, like you mm-hmm. said, like that's definitely a factor. But also, it is a daunting amount of video that we shot. I was, I lived with him for a week and mm-hmm. me and the camera guy I hired filmed everything.
1: Did you like live in his
0: apartment? It's sort of. I lived down the hall from him in the same apartment complex because he had two identical units.
1: Of course he did.
0: And the only thing in my unit was like a a bed that we that he helped me build, and then a purple, like a like a pimp jacket purple suede chair that was a normal chair, except for the back of it w- went up 20 feet in the air in the living room. That that was the only objects in this place. Um, I need to make that video, man. There's so many. I'm so excited. Part for of what's it. what's like caused me to to procrastinate on it is it's not just the amount of video, it's the fact that like I think. All of it's funny, and I don't know what to cut. And in having conversations with friends about it, I've kind of come around on the idea that like maybe it doesn't. Maybe the pressure of trying to make it just one video is the problem, and maybe it needs to be like episodic or something. I was just
1: gonna say maybe it's a mini series. Yeah,
0: that might have come from you actually yeah. at some point. Because
1: I'm desperate to see this. Yeah, Nick. I'm like literally whatever you need.
0: It's <laughs> it's it might be it might be it might be next after the thing i'm working on now
1: sick but okay so but i think that's a great example though so you shot this thing in 2021 mm-hmm. obviously you were excited about it yeah. what was that 3 wait 2 years ago at this point like you seem excited about it as we're talking about it yeah. still but like if you lost the vigor would you would you just scrap it
0: I, or wait for
1: it to come back or would I, you do it anyways
0: i think i would do it anyways eventually like yeah. a lot of the There was probably a year between the Blastoise thing being filmed and it coming out. And only about two or three months of that was spent actively working on it. Um, I I have this habit of... I think there's an instant gratification to going out and filming something and going on a big crazy adventure. Mm -hmm. And I think that the delayed gratification of investing time and energy and effort into writing and editing stuff is just like sadly like a harder thing to motivate myself to do yeah I think that I probably have some amount of brain damage from living in a world where every video game movie and tv show ever is like at all of our fingertips and it's uh yeah it's the it's I'm constantly competing with my like bad habit of just Booting up Magic Arena instead of Adobe Premiere every single day. <laughs> Oops, I slipped. And and what's like I something that's like a recurring theme in this conversation mm-hmm. has been like my procrastination, uh, not being stamped out by like my procrastination being rewarded. So for example, procrastinating on the Jeremy fragrance stock, mm-hmm. and now he's bigger than ever. Procrastinating on, um, what's an example? Like the Phantom dust stock, and then getting an interview with the guy who made the game. Um, and a weird thing about my channel that I think you'd find interesting is that, um, it's kind of structured differently from most of YouTube. And what I mean by that is from an analytics perspective, when most YouTubers who do like, you know, three videos a week or whatever, if you look at how one of their videos does, it's like a big spike right at the Mm -hmm. top when all their subscribers see it and the people who are already engaged and want to watch multiple videos from that person a week. And then a, and then it immediately kind of, falls off. And to keep momentum, they gotta keep that cadence. Yeah. I guess of just uploading tons of stuff over and over and getting like a a modest but like repeatable amount of views on those things. Mm-hmm. And the way my channel works, it's my videos have a small spike at the beginning, but a really, really long tail. They kind of accumulate views in perpetuity for a really long time. Um, and I kind of, that's a little bit by design. I really do try to make videos that are evergreen. I'm not like talking about things that are like trending or topical or newsworthy because I kind of want these videos to stand the test of time just creatively, but that's resulted in this library of videos that are kind of still growing at all times. And it's resulted in this really weird business model where the amount of, like revenue I make on YouTube in a month where I do upload and a month where I don't upload is kind of the same.
1: Which Interesting is, which is because crazy. you're just always, it's just accumulating like yeah. historic views.
0: Yeah. And, and that's kind of tricky because I think the, the thing that lights the fire under a lot of people on YouTube's ass to get work done, I need is, money. <laughs> I need money. And for me, it's like, I'm kind of gently making almost a salary from YouTube every month. Um, and i need to keep feeding it probably it would be smart to keep feeding it but it's not life or death yeah um and on the one hand like i procrastinate more probably than i should because of that on the other hand though it really gives me the freedom to take my time and not put out a video until it's done and um really be an annoying perfectionist <laughs> about these yeah. things um which i think probably makes the end product better yeah um and and that's kind of a weird structure for youtube or an uncommon structure for very
1: YouTube. uncommon and again when i tell you i talk to my therapist about how your channel is structured uh-huh. like i i know enough about youtube analytics that it's like i could gather that that's maybe what was going on mm-hmm. um otherwise you're just like sitting you know you don't actually own an apartment and you're just like living out of your car because right. you don't want to upload like yeah. monthly um but like i know you're you know you're chilling and I don't know. I think that 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 feels like a healthy relationship with art. Yeah. You know, because that is a freedom and that is like a certain level of success. So, like when you did the Hatsune Miku, right? Yeah. Hatsune Miku video, that was kind of the first one that started, let's say, the library of videos with very long tails. Mm -hmm. Before that happened, because your channel has continued to grow over the years and now you're like, well over a million subs but like what did you do before i guess you had that library that gave you this freedom
0: i think it was like to me in the early days the idea that i was making any money on youtube was kind of shocking to me really yeah i think like the the miku thing i was not expecting to be a hit at all yeah and and uh when it like paid my rent that month i was like well, I should do this again. <laughs> and so at the beginning of this this documentary yeah. arc, like it was a little bit more like there was a fire under my ass and I, I should just keep going and like strike all the irons hot and make more things like this. And it's only in the the past three or four years that I've reached this critical mass where it's allowed me to slow down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, you're right that it probably is a healthier relationship with, with making something creative. Um, And I think it's a balance. I'm really clearly focusing a lot in this conversation on the the, like disdain I have for my own procrastination habits and and how, how I wish they weren't the way that they are. But on the other hand, like it is a real gift to be able to slow down and, and not put out something ever that I'm like unhappy with. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other trick that I've gotten into is incorporating sponsorships into my videos, not just because it's like lucrative, but because it gives me a fucking deadline. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that is actually the closest feeling yeah. I have to having somebody standing over my shoulder being like, is it done yet? And it's really sincerely been a helpful tool to attach a sponsorship to a specific idea. Cause now I got no choice.
1: You have to put it out. Yeah, there's a there's a contract that you have signed. Exactly. Yeah,
0: and that's that's where I'm at with my, oh, fun my October video is uh, there's a sponsor who is a pretty involved sponsor who like wants to hear the video idea first and wants to make sure it's a good fit for them. If they're not just like yeah, throw this on whatever. They're mm-hmm. this sponsor in particular is pretty like tell us everything about it. Tell us the whole idea, and we'll see if it's a good like match. Okay. Um, and so they are specifically interested in this video idea did you pitch
1: them a bunch of different video ideas or you just gave them this one
0: this in this case i just gave them this one and actually they were supposed to be attached to a different video that came out earlier and they asked me to like hold that video for a few months and i like couldn't i just can't like once the video is done it's burning a hole in my pocket i need it out in the world and i need it seen because i've been i've been delaying this gratification for months and i just want it out yeah um I don't know how like artists and musicians and, and filmmakers who like are like, yeah, this movie's done. It's been on the shelf for a year and a half. I'm like, how do you sleep at night? That would drive <laughs> me insane. um But it's this idea specifically I tied to this sponsor because the video is like a scary video for me to make. It's okay. like a pretty personal story. And I, I feel like I must have told you this story at some point, but it was a about a a girl I was dating I got her this gift Mm -hmm. and it was stolen
1: no I haven't heard that okay
0: I'm still being pretty guarded about for sure how much I talk about because I really like surprising people um but it's like a true story uh that takes place in 2021 when I was dating a completely different person than I am now and um I've it's just like it's it's treading in a territory that I've never touched on in a video. Like usually yeah. the videos are completely about the outside world or a thing I like, and it's my voice, but it's my voice talking about other things. And this video, fundamentally in the narrative, involves like an actual relationship I had with an actual person, and yeah. that is that is new to me and was causing me to procrastinate on it for years. And I was that like, makes sense. If I attach this to a sponsor, I gotta do something that scares me <laughs> and I got to make this yeah. video that is like uh, weirdly personal. Um, but I th- I kind of want to go in the direction of making things that aren't always like comfortable for me. You yeah, know? okay. Um, so. so less
1: of going in the direction of making more personal content or content about you and more just in the direction of in general doing things that kind of scare you a little bit.
0: I guess so, yeah. I just think okay. that like the, the videos I'm proudest of were videos that I was scared to make on some level or thought nobody would care about. And I, my audience who I'm insanely grateful for has surprised me so much with their capacity to give a story a chance Mm -hmm. and, and be like, well, if Nick cares about this, let me at least hear him out. Yeah. Um, And so I just, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I look at what the John Wilsons of the world are doing. uh, And I'm like, that's, his stories are inherently about his life and his worldview and, and, and he'll touch on things that have happened to him and like relationships that have, that he's been through. And I'm just, I feel like it can only help me become a better filmmaker to put myself in scary situations like that.
1: That is it for this week's episode. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Nick as much as I did. There's much more where that came from because we have a part two coming. So I'll see you next week.
0: I don't really think I have ambitions of at this point, maybe this will change, but I don't I don't really want to make a Netflix series or an HBO docuseries. Yeah. I, this YouTube thing is like cooler to me.
1: If you lose steam in the middle of like an edit, because once you're editing, like you're in it, yeah. right? Like this video is happening. Yeah. What do you do about that?
0: Well, so what's weird about my workflow is that once the edit has begun, all I want to do is edit it. All I want to oh. do is finish it.